Welcome to another Toonami pre-flight where we're going to look at the way things used, used to, be. to be. And are becoming again. Yeah, and hopefully not. The wheel turns. Fully becoming again. Yeah. Now I'm just depressed. We should just well, go. I mean, you didn't have to open it like that. It's a that. rainy day. You can hear it we through our shittily soundproof <laughs> studio. <laughs> we're, uh, let's talk about uh, the movie we wanted to talk about. Okay. In better, in, in more happy scenarios. Uh, so we decided today to talk about uh, Makoto Shinkai's, one of his other earlier films, The Place Promised in Our Early Days. He loves those. I don't think it's a coincidence that his highest grossing movie is also the one with the shortest title. <laughs> I think he needs to. It's also his most recent. Follow the line of a... follow the line of. Yeah, it's true that he's one of the f- artists you can see grow with every single movie. Um, he started out with a very specific voice, and then he just kind of has continued to develop it until he's taken over the game, baby. Um, yeah, this is his feature-length debut. Yeah, so this is... He did a lot on it. He didn't do literally yeah. everything on it. His first film, which we already reviewed, was literally he did everything, um, and he kind of did it on his own. This is the first time he actually made a real feature with feature backing, and it's feature-length. Um, it came out in 2004 Four. and was licensed by ADV in the U.S., so there was an English dub. Um, I don't know how easy that is to find now. Um, the Blu-ray is does not have it on it. Yeah. At least the Blu-ray that I have. Yeah. If it's typical of ADV dubs from around that time, it might not have been worth keeping, or they might have just not had the rights. Yeah. Um, so, Gil, why don't you explain the story of this? Is that you're maybe a little smarter than I am. So, that's not true. you just feeling no, lazy it's today. true. No, no, no. It's true. So, this Doesn't mean is you're better than I am, an alternate... Yeah. Reality, uh-huh. where the Soviet Union has taken over Japan, sort of much like post World War II, Northern Germany Japan. was they split, yeah, bisected, so bisected it, similar to oh. Korean. So the island of Hokkaido, yeah, is called Kaz or Ka. It's called something else, but yeah, that, that's the southern one. The northern okay. one is um, starts with an A. <laughs> anyway, um, so there's three childhood friends. They're in middle school, and there's two boys and a girl. And they're doing middle school kind of stuff in a occupied territory where everyone starts working for the military or for the government or right. for doing research. Right. And uh, Sayuri, the girl, disappears one day. And then, much like a lot of the Shinkai movies, it then sort of takes on the, the roles of looking back on the past and yeah. not pining for, but... Thinking, Fond, thinking fondly about relationships and how things nostalgia. change and how time has yeah. progressed. Um, and then it gets kind of heavy. Then it gets science fiction-y and heavy because there's a tower, which you can see right there. The Hokkaido Tower. Yeah, which that tower was placed there by the Union, who is the Soviet Union, basically. And the tower does something where it emits molecules that vibrate into other dimensions so in some way around that tower there's a field in which interdimensional stuff can happen yeah it's sort of the opening various gateways and replacing their reality with other, other universes reality. and i guess the, the the tower is there as a threat basically as a like yeah don't make a switch don't make us turn this on because we'll warp all of reality which seems seems like a pretty dangerous game to play if you're the union, but you know. So it turns out that th- their childhood friend that disappeared is actually trapped in 
sort of she's she's, like she's a in a coma, coma, but in her dreams she's in this other reality. So she's spending all of her days in this sort of completely empty reality where she's the only person there, and she doesn't realize that she's in a no. coma. Yeah. And so they, her friends have built this sort of experimental plane on their own. They find it early on when they're all kids, and that's their sort of oh, right. dream is that they're yeah, they're going to they're going to rebuild it or fly fix away. it and fly to the tower. Yeah. So they end up. The boys decide that, that the tower must be causing her coma, and in order to break her out of the coma, they need to destroy the tower. So they basically come up with a fairly suicidal plan of attacking the tower. Right. Um, and spoiler alert, they succeed and wake her up. And it's sort of a they, they kind of say, well, we're going to start over now. Now that we're. Yeah. We're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend and all's right with the world. Yeah. And there's a point where she's worried that she's going to forget all of her dreaming world. Yeah. And then it gets into like what's real and which. Yeah. Which Rick and Morty do you want to have in your Hokkaido tower? So uh, I have a promo. I, th- I think it's a promo made by a, f- a fan. Or, oh, no, this is the Japanese trailer because the, the only English trailer is the ADV trailer, which isn't very good. So I figured we'll just look at the Japanese trailer. So let's check that out. It's going いつかいつか必ず行くんだ。国境の向こう、あの巨大な塔まで。ね、じゃあ約束。でも僕を囲む世界はこの先何度でも僕を裏切る。僕だけが。私だけが世界に一人きり取り残されているそんな気がする中学三年の夏に発症この三年間眠り続けているとサーダリの夢を見るんだ何度も繰り返しそいつ一番の友達だったんです君らの理念はナンボックス統一じゃなかったのか数も
he, he leaned a little too hard on that. And I think in his later films, he sort of found a better balance between um, sort of highs and lows in terms of energy. Yeah. And But this movie, like all of Shinkai's movie, has, of course, amazing use of light. And he loves opens huge open skies. And I guess he just never gets bored with it because they always look totally gorgeous. <laughs> um, and I think the love story is cute. And as far as his love stories go, it's one of the less sappy ones. Um, but like a lot of his movies, like you said, it's like a good rumination on sort of the past and how we're different in the future and what regrets we may carry with us and how they inform what we do as a, as older people, not quite adults because they're as not quite adults in this movie, but 16 year olds yeah. looking back fondly on their 12 year old times. Um, but, uh, a good, like a good hour and a half movie. It feels a little long. Like I feel like he didn't really have an hour and a half of story. Like, it could have been yeah. an hour 15 and been just perfect. Um, but clearly, you can see him growing as an artist and getting better at his themes. And as a first-time feature film, it definitely has a very unique voice. I mean, you would never mistake this movie for someone else's work. Yeah. Um, so, wh- what number did we put it at on the page? 38. 38, which I think feels good. It's definitely one of the better anime movies I've seen, um, but it's not quite... That should just be the whole list. Definitely. A, a bunch of the better uh, anime movies I've ever seen. Yeah, definitely one of the better ones. Um, so that leads us to our topic of the day, which was, what's your favorite Cold War movie? So kids, we're going to set the stage because a lot of the, our viewers were not even alive during the Cold War. Gil and I were because we're children of the 70s. It's true. And we chase lost voices. We never, we grew up in a time where it was just sort of accepted. So, especially in the 80s, where the Cold War was sort of at its ideological pitch, it was quite common when we were in school to talk about things like what happens if there's a nuclear war? Um, you know, some of us even did the, I mean, beyond the 50s duck and cover style drills, some people my age actually still did occasional drills of what if there's a nuclear attack. So it was really a very real thing that people discussed and was sort of part of popular culture, especially post-Cuban Missile Crisis, where we almost did all die in a nuclear attack. Right. Um, there was always this undercurrent in your whole childhood, in the, if you were growing up, in the 80s and early 90s of, you know, the Russians are there, they want to kill you, you know, like, or they want to turn you into a dirty commie. Like there was, you know, it was a pretty deep cultural thing where you just, you know, you could all, you could do any movie you wanted and have the Russians be bad. Russians were bad guys in every yeah. action movie. Jingoistic yeah. feature film and, money was generated. And a lot of actual... You know, in Afghanistan and in other places, a lot of actual proxy wars being fought between our two countries. So my point is really just that the idea of nuclear annihilation, which has only unfortunately come back around as we talk about North Korea and our own um, response to whatever stupidity. um, It's now something we're thinking about again, unfortunately, and Russia meddling theoretically in our elections. And so, unfortunately, Russia is now becoming a bugaboo again. But back when we were kids, they were literally the people to worry about. So, um, all of that said, is you would think the Red Dawn remake would have been better than it was. <laughs> you would. Um, so, 
just all that to set up that ideologically it was a rich time for storytelling especially involving the threat of human annihilation you know yes um so i'm gonna start with an a, a early example of a cold war movie 1962's john frankenheimer classic the manchurian candidate <laughs> <laughs> and um this movie was somewhat controversial when it came out um just because it's it deals with it basically makes it seem like there's not really a good guy and that governments are all sort of evil in some way just because they destroy individuals. And so I think it was a little bit ahead of its time in a lot of ways and also a little bit too harsh for 1962 filmmaking on average. I mean, the other yeah, movies... Towards that, the end, it gets pretty... <laughs> I mean, the other movies that came out this year were like Lawrence of Arabia, which is also terrific, but is a lot less of a you know damning damning sort of condemnation of governments and how they use their people. So the plot of this story is um, Frank Sinatra and a bunch of other guys are in a platoon in the Korean War. They get captured and they're gone for a couple weeks and they're miraculously escape. And the main officer who's pointing the gun at us, who helps, who helps them escape, basically all the members of the platoon have the exact same thing to say about him. They all say the exact same phrase. That he's one of the warmest, kindest, most gentle men I've ever known. Like, they all say the same thing. Super robotic. So there's something up. And it turns out that they were kidnapped and brainwashed. They were kidnapped and sent to Manchuria, which is communist China, um, also held by the Soviets. And they were part of an advanced brainwashing experiment in which they can be activated by showing them a particular playing card and told to do literally anything. And they'll do it automatically with no question. And then they'll completely forget about it. So the idea is they're a perfect killing machine because they don't even know that they have killed someone. They're just literally robots when you need them to be. So Frank Sinatra keeps having these horrible dreams in which he is basically remembering his conditioning. And another member of his platoon has the same dream or his unit. And so he starts investigating um, and trying to convince his government that he thinks there's more to this than them just getting out. In the meantime, the Manchurian candidate, who is his, his officer there, is being put in a position where he can assassinate a U.S. senator so that a Russian plant can become a senator. So basically they're trying to get – might become vice president. That's what it is. So they're, the Russians are trying to place an agent as the vice president of the U.S. So – this movie is super well done. It's a terrific thriller, and it has some really disturbing, it's eat for now, but especially for the time, scenes of they basically make these guys kill each other at just to show, like, that they can look, do. they'll kill their best friend and they yeah. won't even know. In the book, Angela Lansbury's character, who plays his mom, uh, makes her son have sex with her. <laughs> Because she's a Russian agent. Yeah. And obviously in the 1960s movie, they were like, well, we'll cut that part out. But Janet Lee's in it. Um, Angela Lansbury, Frank Sinatra. It's got a great cast. Uh, fun fact, Frank Sinatra broke his hand on this movie and it messed him up for years. He was hitting a desk and he accidentally just hit it too hard and broke it. He had to get surgery on his hand and that's why he didn't take the role of Dirty Harry. Because he couldn't do all the couldn't action have all stuff. The yeah. Um, so let's check out a scene from the Manchurian Candidate. This is this is one of the guys remembering the, the sort of a, 
nightmare of their conditioning and then waking up like, oh my God. So check it out. If we may proceed with the demonstration. Raymond. Who is that little fellow sitting next to the captain? That's Bobby Lembeck. Our mascot, I guess you'd call him. Doesn't look old enough to be in your army. I guess he isn't, but there he is, ma'am. Captain Marco, you be good enough to lend Raymond your pistol, please. Yes, ma'am. Thanks, Ben. Sure, kid. Shoot Bobby Raymond through the forehead. Yes, ma'am. so awful is to keep dreaming a thing like that about Sergeant Shaw. Oh, it's been going on for weeks now. Oh, I must be going crazy. What you ought to do is to write to Sergeant Shaw. No, I tell you nothing's you wrong with me. You ought to write to him and see if anyone else is having dreams like yours. Yeah. Yes. Maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I'll do that. Anybody can help me. He can. You like him a lot, don't you? Raymond Shaw is the bravest, kindest, warmest, most wonderful human being I've ever known in my life. So nothing weird about that yeah. at all. And he calls that guy ma'am because they think they're at a garden party. So there's all these weird scenes before they lead up to this where they show women at a garden party and yeah, they're they're, like the dudes are in the and, uniform and they're yeah. telling them to do stuff. It's totally crazy. Um, but John Frankenheimer was on a tear during this time. This is right around when he did Seconds and a bunch of other good movies. Um, so that's an early Cold War movie. And then next up is prime Cold War stuff, baby. 1990s, John, uh, is it not John Frankenheimer? It's, um, who's the director? I'll figure it out. The Hunt for Red October. Tom Clancy's novel, which was a big hit, turned into a movie, which was also a big hit. Um, John McTiernan directed it, the director of Die Hard. Starred Alec Baldwin in really his first big breakout role as Jack Ryan, who now since has been played by Harrison Ford. Ben Affleck, Chris Pine, and now coming up, John Krasinski. Yeah. So obviously they can't get a motherfucker to stay in that role. Um, but this movie was such a massive hit, they came back to make the sequel, and Alec Baldwin was at the height of his I'm the shit phase and asked for way too much money. So and they it, said he wanted to it was that he was making he wanted to make um not married to the mob, but it was he was they were like, You gotta make this my pet project. Like he held a movie over their head. Was it and the they shadow? were like, Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I don't remember. He tried to yeah, he tried to hold it over their head and they were like I think we'll just call Harrison Ford, who you may have heard of, and tell you to go fuck yourself. So um, they made this movie, though, that made that whole conversation possible. So this movie is about Sean Connery plays a Russian sub-commander. His accent is impeccable. Who is an, I mean, I don't think the accent really matters because they start the movie where they're speaking Russian and then they zoom out and they're in English. So they're giving you, they're basically telling you, okay, dumbasses, don't complain about accents. They're fucking speaking Russian. So, um, 
he's a sub commander who is basically just been put in charge of a top secret sub that has an engine that is a whisper silent engine so it's going to be a new weapon uh in the war and he decides to defect and the way he decides to defect is he just kills one of his there's a spy on the ship basically there to just watch the officers he kills that guy and then he tells his crew we're going out for maneuvers and breaks away from the rest of the um, soviet fleet the soviet fleet quickly figure out this guy's making a run for it so they go after him so to the americans it looks like suddenly there's a soviet sub coming for the u.s along with all of their fleet so they're immediately like oh shit we're gonna have to go to war but jack ryan cia analyst and nerd basically uh through his deep knowledge of knowing about the captain surmises that he must be trying to defect he's not coming to attack us he's trying to defect so a lot of the movie is him trying to convince the government don't start world war three let's try to get in contact with him because he's trying to defect and then he gets on an american sub and they have to try to figure out how to talk to him or let him know that they're friendly without them blowing each other out of the water um so then it's a game of cat and mouse then they get on the sub and it's basically one lone russian guy from the russian fleet is trying to attack them and there's a whole bunch of sub action that's cool but it's a good cold war movie and it turns out that the reason sean connery's character defected was because he found out that the point of his sub was basically a first strike sort of capability weapon so he was going to be in charge of a ship that's in total design was to go somewhere quietly and nuke a city full of innocent people and he just that was like too much for him so uh let's check out a scene i believe it's a scene from the head for red october um right now full ahead flank full ahead flank guys torpedo impact now 40 seconds 35 seconds Thirty seconds. Turn it massive in seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Mark. Torpedo impact. Twenty-five seconds. The turn, Captain. Not sure. Mark plus eight seconds. Plus nine. Plus ten seconds. Plus eleven. Plus twelve. Plus 13 seconds. Plus 14. Plus 15 seconds. Captain, if we're out of position by so much as a boat length. Torpedo impact now 15 seconds. Sound collision. Sound collision. Captain, we're out of the way. You're relieved. Boraging. Right full rudder. Reverse starboard engine. Right full rudder. Hold back starboard shaft.
Why? Easy, boy. If they were really shooting at us, we'd be dead by now. So, uh, relieved. a great uh, sub movie, and actually, the effects hold up surprisingly well for 1990. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it again when we do our favorite submarine movies. <laughs> um, and then finally, my favorite Jack Ryan movies. And- <laughs> finally, a movie I wanted to highlight that not a lot of people in the U.S. <coughs> have heard of. Um, it's called Threads, and it is one of the most terrifying movies you will ever see in your life. If you want to see. It's basically so in the US in the 80s or a year before this we had something called The Day After which was a mini series that was fairly corny but the big deal was it shows what it's going to be like if there's a nuclear attack on the US so it concerns a bunch of families there's a limited nuclear strike and they try to survive and all of America watched this and was totally riveted by it I remember my family everyone I knew we're just like, oh shit, man! What if? Yeah, it was like it was like War of the Worlds, but you knew it wasn't real. But yeah. it really kept. But it you, could happen. It got you yeah. thinking of like, well, shit. Well, shit. What would happen? So they did avert. They basically did the same thing in the UK with this mini series called Threads. Um, it was a BBC production, and the difference between the UK and the American version is the American version was like, I'm a doctor. I've got to operate by candlelight. Mm-hmm. Oh no. This is like a painstakingly realistic, very well researched. We're fucked. Like, here's exactly what's going to happen. Here's how it will build up. Here's how it will go down. Here's what it's going to be like in the aftermath. And it is fucking brutal in every way. It's basically, it concerns the town of Sheffield. The U.S. and the Soviets are basically at war over Iran so the Soviets have moved in and tried to take take in Iran oil fields the US moved in and is trying to reinstall a Shah government uh, then they get they start escalating their war um, the Soviets call in the Warsaw Pact which no longer exists US calls in NATO so the whole world is slowly being pulled into this conflict these people these families in the town of Sheffield are basically hearing about all this on the radio and TV and talking amongst themselves about like what do you think is going to happen then they start being told you need to prepare your homes for a nuclear attack and figure out where your shelters are (coughs) but nobody excuse me nobody believes it's real then uh, the Soviets nuke there's a nuke in Pakistan. So the Soviets nuke Pakistan because it's a strategic position. The U.S. starts nuking Soviet targets, and then the whole shit goes bananas. So there's a limited nuclear bomb that first explodes like five cities away where they just see the explosion, but it doesn't It doesn't come to Sheffield, but it starts the chaos. So then social order starts breaking down. There are looters and rioters, uh, government agitators. They start throwing people in jail. There's martial law. And then there's a limited nuke blown up over Sheffield. So there's an EMP. All the electronics are wiped out. And then the nuclear blast. And then you are with them for the next two or three months where it's like radiation poisoning is slowly killing people. There's no food and water. There's dysentery and um, all kinds of communicable diseases from all the bodies. Social order is completely broken down and people start like food becomes money and people are working for food or food is being withheld from people for not doing what they need to do. Um, The government only really exists as a radio program telling people what to do. 
and it goes on for like a couple years and basically just shows humanity slowly dying out as nuclear winter comes people can't have babies because they're born with defects or or they starve to death like it's like the most brutal movie you've ever seen which is probably why a lot of people haven't seen it because it's not like a fun watch yeah i mean it's a fun watch for me but i'm a sicko but like most people this is not like oh yeah i'm gonna throw on this thing about what would really happen because what would really happen is the most depressing thing you could fucking imagine as it should be um so this is i think a trailer that someone made for threads because obviously the trailer from 1984 is a mess so let's check this out the united states government has been forced reluctantly to take action to safeguard what it believes are legitimate western interests in the middle east We are confident that the Soviet Union will take note of our resolve and will desist from its present perilous course of action. There is growing evidence overnight from scientists and observers in many countries that there have been two nuclear explosions in the Middle East. In response to today's news of the outbreak of hostilities between vessels of the United States and Soviet navies, the Ministry of Defense has announced it's sending more troops to Europe to reinforce the British commitment to NATO. This time, they are playing with, at best, the destruction of life as we know it, and at worst, total annihilation. You cannot win a nuclear war! The time has now come to make everything ready for you and your family in case an air attack happens. When you hear the attack warning, you and your family must take cover at once. The most widespread danger is fallout. A quiet good. Attack warning. Attack warning. Is for real? Attack warning is for bloody real. Is it? You can't just do a face like that. I've got your titties down. I think that was for a rebroadcast they did. But yeah, pretty fun, pretty fun movie. But for me, that's what the Cold War means. It means that, which unfortunately is something we have to worry about now. Gil, over to you. That's fun. Thank you. Uh, first for me is 1983 John Badham's War Games, capital G, <laughs> all one word. Um, I saw this movie in the theater with my dad and my brother. And as soon as it was over, we were like, Dad, can we get a modem for our computer? And my dad's like, no. As soon as this movie was over, I went to a, a cell phone and tried to do or a pay <laughs> tried phone. to get the free tried to get the free coin shit with that the, they do. Yeah, <laughs> um, there's a lot of like 
digital watch calculator technology that was mind-blowing in 1983. You're like, what? You can just do whatever the hell you want with a computer? Yeah. Um, but this is basically at its core what a misguided teenager out to try to steal some video games and accidentally potentially destroys the whole really world. a hacker before they were yeah hackers and there was i think when they were making this movie they that was when they first started talking to hackers to figure out what was doable right and what was doable they're all like well no i mean you can't do that like you could break in and change your grades like he did. yeah he's yeah. like you can't break into norad and they're like okay thanks for your research yeah. so <laughs> Uh, now they can. <laughs> this uh, this is the trailer. No, no, this is the opening scene. So this, the crux of this movie is started off by two guys are in a missile silo and there's a, a, an impending attack and they go to turn their keys and the question becomes... They're told there's an impending yeah, attack. It's that, a drill. Well, you just ruined the whole clip. I mean... It's not ruining it. The movie's been out since 1983. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Jesus. Um, now it's just one. But they wanted to remove the human Yeah, element. so they, they computerized the whole thing because... They couldn't trust that they, they would... At the time, when the shit hits the fan, human beings would break down and not want to launch A nuclear weapon. If only that were true. Um, so they make... That's not true at all. This giant Whopper computer... Um, oh yeah, war Whopper. operations something, something something. It's W O P R Whopper. So the Whopper is like a giant table sized lit up uh, Rubik's cube. It's basically Skynet. They made Skynet. Yeah. So it's <laughs> and Matthew Broderick breaks into the back door by accident. Of the Whopper. And back they, doors are not secret. They got to go run down falcon and he's on some island off seattle and matthew brown yeah ba- basically swim, yeah and- basically the computer which is it's all designed to do simulated war games to sort of figure out the best scenario if something like that happens him and him breaking into the computer and saying start let's, these let's play a war, war games, games. The, the computer is like oh shit war's on cool and, and everyone all the humans are freaking out because they don't know he has his computer set up to just call one number after another so it's five 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 one 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 five 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 one 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 two and it calls all day while he's gone and he gets into the whopper starts playing then the FBI comes to get him, and then the shit really starts hitting the fans. So this is the opening scene that Jason just ruined. Ugh, come on. Valid message. Stand by to authenticate. I agree with authentication also, sir. Enter launch code. Entering launch code. Launch order confirmed. Holy shit. Target selection complete. Time on target sequence complete. Yield selection complete. Begin countdown. T minus 60. All right, let's do it. Insert launch key. Stand by. Launch key inserted. Roger. On my mark. Rotate launch key to set. Three, two, one. Mark. T minus 50. Roger, that's set. 
sir. T minus 40. Well, enable missiles. Number one, enable. Two, enable. Three, enable. Four, five, Straight five, somebody in the goddamn six, phone. Seven, eight, nine, ten. All missiles enabled. Minus 30. Get me wing command post on your direct That's line. That's not the correct procedure, Captain. Try SAC headquarters on the HF. That's not the correct procedure. Screw the procedure. I want somebody on the goddamn phone before I kill 20 million people. T minus 20. I got nothing here. They might have been knocked out already. Right. On my mark, rotate launch keys to launch. Roger, ready to go to launch. 14, 13, 12, 12 11. 11. Seven, six, five. Sir, we have a launch four, order. Three. Put your hand on the key, two, sir. One. Launch. Sir, we are at launch. Turn your key. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Turn your key, sir. Weird that and Michael Madsen just ready to rock <laughs> yeah. right off. But yeah, th- that was based on a true story of two guys that were in a missile silo that were ordered to launch as a as a test and failed. Yeah, that, I, that I, ended up like the writer. Who I wrote hope this that movie. the. The technician who was in charge of loading the revolver with blanks and the technician that was in charge of unhooking the actual missiles did their jobs. You too. Um, but yeah, so that's a fun movie. Uh, next is a more current look back at the past, and that is Bridge of Spies, Steven Spielberg's directorial debut in 2015. I, I, be- I believe it's Bridge of Spies. Oh, I'm sorry. It's German. Yeah. Um, Bridge of Spies. This is a look at a alleged Russian spy, um, and then Francis Gary Powers being shot down with his U-2 plane, and the two of them being captured behind enemy lines and sort of the geopolitical realities of West Germany and the United States and the very beginning of the Cold War and legitimizing city-states. And this is... And Tom Hanks being goddamn charming as always. Yeah. Everybody all, in mean, this... Only Tom Hanks could have pulled this off. Yeah. I don't I didn't know he was doing this in the, in the 50s and 60s, but... He only, was a Nuremberg Only Tom Hanks lawyer. could pull it off, man. He's just so good. He's. Do you not like this movie? No, I do. Yeah. Well, why are you fucking with Tom Hanks? I'm just joking. <laughs> just because Tom Hanks is Don't joke about Tom so Hanks. goddamn delightful, regardless. Yeah. I didn't know you were ready to rock over Tom Hanks. Turn your keys, Is he sir. your boyfriend or something? <laughs> no, just like him. Um, so does all of America. Yeah. Would you vote for Tom Hanks for president if he ran? Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Cool. Me too. <coughs> uh, oh, this is the scene where... Uh, I, I don't gonna, want to give anything away. <laughs> I thought you were going to hit me. Spoiler. The, uh, you think? Yeah, you should just always be ready for me to hit you. Yeah. This is the scene where, <laughs> where Jason punches, punches me, me in the side of the head. I'm sorry. Uh, this is really showing the character of Tom Hanks. Let's. Uh, oh, what both, great character too! I'm sure. Both, both literally and figuratively. He's a goddamn hell of an American. Yeah, I agree. Let's check it out. I don't work for the government. I am here to offer my services as your legal counsel. If you accept them as such, I work for you. 
if I accept you. Are you good at what you do? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Have you represented many accused spies? No, not yet. This will be a first for the both of us. <laughs> All right. All right. You accept? Yes. All right. Good. Okay. Let's start here. If you are firm in your resolve not to cooperate with the U.S. government... I am. Yeah. Then do not talk to anybody else about your case, inside of government or out. Except to me, to the extent that you trust me. I have a mandate to serve you. Nobody else does. Quite frankly, everybody else has an interest in sending you to the electric chair. All right. You don't seem alarmed. Would it help? How did we do in there? Uh, not too good. Apparently you're not an American citizen. Uh, would it help? It's pretty... That's, I think that's just... That's Oscar winning. Yeah, that's how you win... That's how you win Best, best Supporting best Actor, supporting baby. Actor with uh, opposite Tom Hanks, just two heavyweights in there slugging it out. Um, this movie sounds super boring, but it's really great. And uh, Bridge of Spice, yeah. Yeah, like on paper... <clears throat> yeah. But the really getting down to the nitty-gritty of the legal... It, but it's really well done, yeah. I mean, it's fucking Spielberg and Tom Hanks, so... Yeah. And Mark Rylance yeah. uh, doing an amazing job. And uh, that guy who plays Francis Scary Powers and then uh, <laughs> Fat Damon's his friend, so... Yeah. Good cast. Uh, last, in an effort to not always talk about Red Dawn, I picked No Way Out. <laughs> 1987, Roger Donaldson, uh, the auteur behind Cocktail in an amazing... Hey. Look, look how damn handsome <laughs> the Costner the is. Costner was. That is. A look how damn man. handsome Gene Hackman is. Yeah. <laughs> um, mean Gene, baby. So this is this movie's like two hours long, and for the first hour or so, you it's a there's a cover up, and Kevin Costner's been hired to sort of find the killer. What's I can't remember what the the Russian name, it's Ivan or yeah. Vladimir, right, whatever something. dumb name yeah. they've given him. And it turns out... <gasps> Are you going to spoil this? It's him. Wah! Um, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. For God, that really hurt, but gave up a little bit of my soul there. Yeah. Um, it's a good It's a good little thriller. It's really typical of 80s yeah. sexy adult movies right. at the time. There's like a little bit of sex, a little bit of murder, a little bit of mystery. Like it's definitely um, like a... Gene Hackman It's is like a the, Mary Grown Folks type movie. Yeah, he's the Secretary <laughs> of Defense or the Undersecretary of Undersecretary, something. Or, yeah. He's a guy who gets to make the decision around lots of important yeah. things. And Sean Young is his mistress and also then falls in love with Kevin Costner in a love triangle. She picked both two terrible guys to fall in love with. Um, but <laughs> but a, a fun movie. Yeah. I, if objectively based on 
would you have an affair with Gene Hackman or Kevin Costner? I feel like Kevin Costner would win that battle most of the time. Um, Depends on the person. But then, especially when the fact that Gene Hackman kills her, I think that's... Well... She chose poorly, I think is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, This is the trailer for No Way Out that doesn't spoil the movie, but since we did, it doesn't really matter. They needed a hero. I understand he has a background in intelligence. There's two tours with naval intelligence. Get him here. He liked excitement. Take us somewhere. He wanted her. Their passion upset the balance of power. What's all this top secret business I've been hearing about over the Pentagon? You know I work for Bryce? Then that makes two of us. This one can do things for me like no other woman I've ever met. Behind the cover-up. Try and understand. The power. The important thing is to abort an investigation before it ever gets to you. You haven't told me everything. Who's running this thing at the Pentagon? The new boy, Farrell. So we can take the fall in case anything goes wrong. The loyalty. I love you. I promise I'll work everything out. How did you actually meet the Secretary of Defense? I need a car. It's an emergency. These people have already tried to kill one person who knew. Bring this one down. No, no, no. You can't take that. Behind the deceit. If it were your intention to bring down David Bryce, then I'd have no choice but to make sure that you didn't get away with it. They mean to kill me, Sam. Because of the truth, there's no way out. Kevin Costner, Gene Hackman, Sean Young, Will Patton, no way out. The great Don LaFontaine, who once told me, fuck you, who cares, when I was reading something with him. Um, But the, the, the twist in the movie, I mean, since we're giving the whole thing away, is that Kevin Costner's the good guy who's being chased and they make it seem like he's being framed but right. then it turns out he's actually the bad he's guy. The spy that they made up and he gets away with it in the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's good that's why it's a cool movie. They they make up a red herring yeah, and it turns yeah. out that it's him the yeah. whole time. He is the red herring. Oh my god. So let's he's see what He's actually the MacGuffin. Let's see what the Adult Swim Facebook uh what your favorite Cold War movies were. Iron Giant an excellent choice. Doctor Strange Love of course. Hunt for Red October, Red Dawn, and Spies Like Us. I did love the which, shit out of Which is like in that. no way a good movie, but I liked it when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and then Toonami Facebook. Let's see what you guys had to say. I'm guessing it's going to be similar. Doctor Strangelove, Iron Giant, Red Dawn, Hunt for Red October, and War Games. All excellent selections. I think you'd have to say... Doctor Strangelove is Doctor Strangelove is the best, best. Cold War yeah. movie ever made. But we've, in, in an effort not to always talk about the same movies we... We skipped it. Yeah. 157 episodes in, we can't just keep talking about Doctor Strange so and Red Dawn as talk, much as we would. As much like. as I could just do whole episodes. So uh, let's talk about some of our sneak peeks for uh, this week's broadcast of Toonami. First up, we have a promo for Dragon Ball Super episode 54 premiering Saturday at 10.30. Let's check that out. On the next all-new episode of Dragon Ball Super. The showdown is coming. I still can't imagine winning against Black. Hey. Yes, Father? Come with me. It's time to train you for real. Dragon Ball Super, this Saturday at 10.30. No need to hold back. You can spar with me at full strength. (laughs) What? Did I say something funny? Only Toonami on Adult Swim. Yeah, that's, that's, did. that's a good promo. <laughs> uh, 
Next up, we have a premiere of a music video from the great John Hopkins. Um, his album Immunity, which I think came out in 2013, I mean, it's been forever, uh, was one of my, if not my favorite album that year. And his new album is incredible. Um, and this is the first video from it, and we're happy and honored to be able to premiere it. So let's check out a sneak peek of John Hopkins' Emerald Rush. And then up next, we have something we haven't had in a while, and that's One Man's Trash. It's been like three weeks. 
It's been a while. It's been longer than that. Yeah, four maybe. Four because I had to do my movie thing again because you were taking so fucking long to do your one man's trash. Mm. So why don't you go ahead and set it up? Your uh, magnum opus. So this is me playing Assassin's Creed Origins, a game that I did not like at all when I first started playing it, and shut it down, never to start it up again after twenty minutes of play, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and in hindsight, that was a little rash. There were some changes, and I wasn't ready to deal with them. <laughs> and uh, I put it aside, let some time pass, made my peace with it. Wasn't quite as long as sometimes when I make rash decisions and then come back sure. to games. It was only a couple of months. But I saw Jason playing it, and it seemed like it was going to be fun. So begrudgingly, I uh, started back up and really loved it. So I wanted to do One Man's Trash. And unfortunately, this was a game that Jason humped so hard that he <laughs> oh, kept my fault eliminating <laughs> the I like that you the relatively obvious I, it, it angles for One Man's Trash. It shouldn't matter what I do. It shouldn't affect your the One Man's Trash. The title of the piece is One Man's Trash. If some <laughs> other one man I'm sure there are other it. humans on Earth who did this thing that you did. Yeah, but you're not sitting at the table with me. I mean, just you know, I'm just saying. Uh, so I decided to do everything in the literally everything main game get 100% of the trophies which if you do all of the question marks and you find everything and you do all the weird there's a lot of weird they're all dumb yeah check marks there's not check marks for doing one, for doing a lot of the things you would that normally yeah. in previous assassin's creed you don't get one for killing all the Falakes, nope. Which was by far my favorite part of the game. Or the elephants? Do you get one? For uh, no, you get one for killing the two elephants at one time. But not the four. All four of the war, right. war elephants. Scenarios. You do get a one for getting for opening up the whole map. Yep. And you get a different one for doing everything on the whole map. Right. But then individually broken out, there's some dumb stuff like midair headshot a guy while you're falling. Lead an alligator to a lion. Lead a, a, the other way around. Lead a tamed L- lion to an, to an alligator. Which is just cruel. Bring a lion to an alligator. That's just cruel. That's just cruel. Yeah. I mean, when I did it, we both killed the alligator and then we split. And I know for a while you were trying not to kill any animals and I was like, if you want to check off that list, you're going to have to kill some animals, boy. Yeah. I would still, I still dealt with look, I'm only here to kill your leader. So if you just clear gotcha. out of the way, one of you can take over. And then we're just. I tried to do way. that unless it was hippos. I just fucking killed all the hippos because they're assholes. Huh. Well, they're they're actual assholes in real yeah. life. They're the most they're, one of the most vicious animals in Africa. As a vicious animal yourself, I would think that you would have a begrudging respect. And I not. do, but then I test myself <laughs> against them I to show my dominance. Um, so the really the hardest one to do, which we'll get into, is the particularly stupid and boring and dumb. Shoot a flaming arrow at oil barrels and kill 30 people doing that way. Because when you're playing it on hard, the people just take too much damage and you don't do enough flame damage. But uh, before we end up doing the whole one man's trash, I was gonna say, you're giving a, it all away. Let's check it out. Welcome to another edition of One Man's Trash, where I try to make myself cry a little, but not show it at all. Today we're playing Assassin's Creed Origins, which is a game I absolutely hated when it first came out and stopped playing it. In the end, I loved it so much that I wanted to one man's trash it. The only real problem was Jason also loved this game so much that he did pretty much everything in the game. So I was going to have to dig pretty deep to find one man's trash treasure here. So like most Assassin's Creed games, that meant going pretty much everywhere and doing pretty much everything, and then some other stuff too. And even though most Assassin's Creed games are also big, this game is huge. 
And in addition to doing everything, there's also a couple of specific trophies you've got to get to, like finishing an arena boss with an overpower attack, or witnessing raining bugs in the desert, which is kind of a pain in the ass because that one's totally random, so you just have to trudge around in the desert and wait for the right hallucination to come, or destroying an opponent in a hippodrome race. Headshotting a guy with a bow and arrow and then wondering why the trophy didn't pop and then waiting for it to pop. And oddly enough, there's trophies for doing some of the things you need to be doing, but not all of them. So you get a trophy for killing two of the elephants, but not for killing all of the elephants. Or for finishing the arena bosses in the Crocodopolis area or whatever it's called, but not doing all of the different arenas. But bar none, by far, the biggest pain in the ass one is the boom trophy which is killing people with flaming arrows by shooting oil barrels. Because not only is this a fairly clunky way to kill people, when you're playing on hard, it's actually really hard to kill them. Even if they're asleep and they catch on fire, they don't actually die. They just, I guess, are somewhat flame resistant. Although when it does work, it is pretty satisfying. And some of the times it gets really out of control. And even though I wasn't recording at the time, I was finally able to get uh, 30 of these things. There's no way to tell where you are in the count, so I was playing at home and didn't have everything set up. But trust me, I got it. Another one that can be tough to get is the sell 100 trinkets at one time trophy, because if you're selling them as you go along, 100 trinkets is actually a lot of trinkets. So that one's actually missable. Uh, and if you're trying to be one man's trashy, be aware. And another word to the wise, you can't get the old habits trophy, which is doing all the locations until the very end of the story. So if that one doesn't pop right away, just uh, don't panic. And also make sure that you didn't leave one check mark like I did, uh, but eventually it does pop, and then you're just waiting for the rest of it to go, and you realize there's not coming. Because evidently, I did not change from dawn to dusk enough times. So once I did that, a bunch back to back to back to back to back to back, the Namaste trophy pops, and then the platinum for doing everything goes. And uh, now I just have to do all the DLCs and the Discovery Tour trophies, and I can get back up to 100%. But that's another day for another One Man's Trash. If you got something fun or dumb for me to do in a video game, hit me up at StupidGill and let me know. Victory! Victory after victory! Well done. There's two... well thank done. you, thank you. Well done. There's two, well, there's a going to be two. The second one's coming out in about a week. But there's already one DLC. It's pretty long. And then I've got to do the Discovery tenet. Tours it's to a... get back up to all 100%. And now they're saying... Are you going to do the Discovery if Tours? If you do all 75 of the Discovery Tours, they give you an item oh. that you have to do to figure out what is. The Discovery having... Tour is a cool thing. Yeah. That That's like um, schools were using Assassin's Creed games because they're such realistic renditions of particular Murder. time periods. They were using them as teaching tools, but obviously you can't really do that when there's the plot and all the murder. So schools asked Ubisoft, can you make a version of the game where we can just use it as a tour of what ancient Egypt was like? Because it's a very realistic rendering of that time period. So this is the first one that they're implementing that. And yeah. a lot of colleges and schools are going to use it, which I think is cool. Um, but well done, Gil. Thank you. Um, and then finally... Finally, we have an Adult Swim single, number 47 out of 52 uh, from the 20, 
17, 18 Adult Swim Singles program. Uh, and this one is by the great Jacques Green, who put out an album I really liked last year called Nordskleeth. Um, you can get it at adultswim.com slash singles, along with the other 46 songs we've released thus far. But for now, let's hear a sample of Nordskleeth. like Jock Green. Yeah. If you like that and want to hear more uh, good music, go to adultsum.com slash singles and you can hear everything. Or come back next Wednesday when we will release another new song at noon. And I think that wraps it up. Indeed. Don't, uh, don't fear the Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. See ya. Tsunami. Every Saturday night from 10.30pm to 4am. 